The best damn league show period is, as always, brought to you by Esports Bet, the industry's leading crypto odds matrix. Now, as well as the World's Prediction Series 2 competition that is still running, free to enter 10 million USDT prize pool tournament with hundreds of thousands of USDT to be won. And as well as being free, you can get extra tokens to play in it by messaging the mod mail on Discord if you go to the Esports Bet Discord. As well as that, they currently now have their new AI hybrid compliance system which essentially tracks how people are betting in terms of patterns and timings and what tiers they're betting on and just ensures that the people who are trying to scam the system get taken out and the people who are making legit bets, there's no problem with their account, doesn't get flagged and they can withdraw as you'd hope they would be able to. So if you like to bet on esports or you'd like to try, maybe consider esports bet. Right, this is going to be the next episode of the Best Iron League Show period. Obviously, we were away for a little while because we had that scenario where there was just a week off, which they still do. So what's actually the reasoning they give for that, by the way? Is there a reason why there has to be a week off? Uh, I think it's because that's the beginning of the uh, Women's Euro Cup. And, you know, everyone wants to celebrate go, that Ken. timing uh, <laughs> and just watch all the games. So uh, everything stops. The business okay. is closed and we sit there and we watch the uh, football tournament together. Well, I mean, well, the joke is that is what people do pretend they do with all the way the things they say online. Like for all, all you need to know is this, Tom. In CSGO, you might have seen, you know, even if you tangentially notice my Twitter, you might have seen at the end of last year, beginning of this year, I was sort of in its spot of hot, hot water, you know. Or there's sort of some women going back I don't and know. forth for me. I don't know, maybe you know, you've tweet get through. I might, I might have been trending on all of Twitter and the entire internet. But, uh, okay. <laughs> you know, by, the way, I, by the way, as a random sidebar, one of my favourite tweets that you will get if you ever name search my name is people obviously know nothing about gaming. They're like, like they just know like Thorin from like The Hobbit or something. They're like, well, there's a guy in gaming as well. And, and what, he hates women. Like, <laughs> like apparently, yeah, apparently that's just the new thing. But yeah. And by the yep. way, sorry, the real Thorin was a fucking great guy anyway. It wasn't like, I don't know why they're making all the gap on the bad one, but okay. I mean, you killed anyone ever. So what I'll say is this, right, to wind it back, right? Dude, they all pretended for real because they're all getting like walk. They were like, oh, we have to support like women's esports. Well, the, the joke is, Dom, the league that I was talking about has already begun, mate. They've already had the first tournaments and spoiler, it didn't have like a million people watching it. No, it's weird how that works, isn't it? It's almost like all those people saying they wanted to support it just, just did a tweet, didn't they? They're not really supporting it at all. But anyway, yeah. to bring that back, the joke is, mate, if I could have gone back in time, I would unwatch this week of LEC for two reasons. One, on paper, this me and Monty were doing one of our episodes, obviously, where we do like the betting breakdown, the preview. And we were even saying on this betting one, dude, like, this meant this week is mental for LEC. I've never seen a week where it's like they tried to create like the zero fucking parity league or something. Because like every matchup looked like like one big favourite, didn't they? But this is the crazy thing. Even though it should have been a shit week of just favourite stomping, half the fucking underdogs or more were just winning all the games. Like this week it actually made LEC look like a clown show. If we're always trying to make it European fans, like, oh, LCS, you'll never compare to us. <laughs> we have, like, world-class League of Legends. This week made us look absolutely terrible. Like, we look like there's, no, there's nothing going on in the league. Like, there's actually, the joke is, there's no good teams even. Because every good team even just loses a game randomly. Like, XL's just shit in the bed. Like, Mad Lions could lose. Like, what the fuck's going on with LEC? <laughs> yeah, it's really tough. I mean, I think the, the biggest issue is that G2 is, is just looking pretty much bad. I mean, they're tied in seventh place with uh, with Astralis, which is not where you want to be halfway through uh, the, the split after the first round robin. So when G2 was looking pretty good and you had like four teams up there, that's yeah, a yeah. different thing. But 
Rogue is never going to be hype until they actually start winning something. Oh, they're never going to be hype. Yeah. Every single time, oh, they're first in the regular season, they're seven and two. We're all waiting for the downfall. If if G2 loses for the next two weeks and then they squeak into playoffs, but they look decent in the last week, I'm already going to take them over Rogue. I'm already fucking jumping yeah, around yeah, ship. So I'm just waiting for the, the time that I can get off that. And then every team that that is supposed to be good just has massive flaws. I mean, Mad Lions is probably one of the, the more exciting teams. I mean, yeah. right now they're second, um, but also they just look visually like uh, the best early game team within the league. They actually know how to set up plays around the map and they get big leads, but even them, they get every big lead and then they just throw it instantly. Yeah. So their games don't feel consistent in any way. So it's just like when you're looking down, it's like, which team are you actually excited about right now at LEC? Because even Rogue looks like a slightly worse version of themselves from last split. So I'm not really like really targeting in on certain teams that I'm excited about and like what they're doing. Well, I don't know who fanatic is XL. I don't know what G2 has been doing recently. Vitality. I'm, I'm already out on, am I really going to start caring about misfits being five Oh, when they've essentially went five Oh reverting back to what they did in spring when they were just a one dimensional team. Is that, is that going to be something that I'm going to be hyped about? I just don't know what is the team right now. Any you to be excited about. Oh, I agree completely. Like, for example, as I alluded to when I just said a minute ago, like, dude, one of the only teams that in theory had it all was XL, and then they just have a fucking 0-2 week and just give up games to, like, some of the bad teams. So, yeah, nobody's come out of this looking good. Let's just start on the G2 topic. Let's just do it. By the way, if people are wondering why my voice is all super hoarse, sadly, unfortunately, two days ago, I did one of those watch parties in CSGO, and if no one saw the CSGO tournament, it was a best-of-five final that went all five maps, including one with overtime, and like the shortest map was like 16 nines so i was literally just talking for seven hours just filling time and fucking all bollocks so whatever that's taking its toll on me hasn't it like so this is the thing on the g2 topic right i've actually been thinking about this and I, there was a point i was making on some of the insight that i thought actually explains more about this squad because here's the problem dom being as we had all those weeks at the beginning of this split where we we're obviously praising them and talking about how they look like they're far away the best team and even all the players quite frankly were doing well like actually they came out of msi looking great people were having score lines where like every guy looks like he's carried on the fucking scoreboard you just dominate the opponent Jankos and caps were smurfing all the games basically minus actually the one loss to bds basically that was like the random out of nowhere loss hmm. you know and even that was almost like if, if people don't know the way like campaigns go that she's how you want your losses to come if you're the best team you want to like destroy all your real competition but then have like a random loss to like the worst team like that doesn't really threaten you it's more like it's the game of their lives as you saw it really was that team hasn't done anything since either bds so like <laughs> that game almost was relevant but here's the problem dom if we're gonna like big up all the good parts of g2 on those weeks this has to be a week where we have to talk about the flaws in the squad and one of the angles i actually do see in this this team that I think means it doesn't always work that well is if you think about their team right they, it's not that like Perks did it all I hate that shit narrative because it just makes like a it's too reductive on both sides isn't it because then obviously when Perks goes to like Vitality it's why people now flame him in Vitality because their logic goes like this Tom but you guys said he was like a god shot caller blah 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 it's like first of all I never said he 1v9's games so I don't know why you're pretending like I acted like he's forgiven or something like he needs teammates I've always said that and then secondly when I say he's a great shot caller people have to sort of understand the shot call or follow it up or, have a, or even 
even, are you ready, guys? This might blow your mind. Set up players that could happen later. They don't just all appear out of nowhere. Like, you have to create them with the lay and the waves, how your fucking jungler works in. So, like, one thing I think when I look at the G2 squad is, I actually do think they suffer from not having the perks aspect, mate, because what the point of all the people I've been talking to recently is, when G2's at their best and when G2's at their worst, they say the same thing. It's like, for them to be the best, Caps and Yankos have to be the best. If Caps and Yankos are the best in the league, then G2 can win. The problem with that is, mate, that essentially implies to me there isn't like a true shot calling setup in the team. Because you've noticed how they're really bad. Like, they don't ever get like super strong early game leads. They're not like some power closeout team. They're just like a middling team in terms of how the eye test plays out. So I think if you look at their team, Caps always just, as far as I can tell, leads by example. He just carries basically. You need you to follow up on him, carry it, and make it plays. Yankos, this is the problem. Yeah, he's a mega veteran. It's really hard to fucking shot call if you're behind as a jungler, though. Like, you're just worried about your game at that point in time, mate. And then the bot lane are pure rookies. So I actually think in their team, like, it's going to be tough to have a perfect squad. They're going to have times like this where if players' form is off or there's not the best at their position, you're not going to win games sometimes, I think. Yeah, I think they're in a, a really rough spot because originally when they came into the league, they had a lot of, like, creative drafts. I mean, they did, like, the Diana, Yasuo, Yone comp, and they had their own take on what the meta was. Sure. And it feels like as they started losing, they've become more and more, like, narrow in the the champions that they're willing to pick but now it feels like they're in a situation where they don't actually understand the meta they don't know what their meta read is so before you thought oh well you know it doesn't really matter what the overall meta is they're gonna find their own thing but now it looks like they've lost confidence so they've been in this really weird situation where they wanted to play into Zeri, right? So because Zeri is really OP, they played it multiple times and then teams were countering that with Twitch Yumi. And then this week they said, all right, fuck it. Like, we'll let them draft Zeri and then we're going to play Twitch. But then they lose on both sides. So they're like, what the fuck? Like, is Zeri just OP? Are we just bad at like these two champions? Do we need to ban both now? Like, how are we going to answer this huge draft problem? Normally the, the response is just ban Zeri on, on red side. That's what teams do around the world. But that is something that in these series, they just weren't able to actually, um, or in these games, they weren't really actually able to iron out. It feels like um, even in their BDS loss, they were winning so much that you could tell that they brushed it off and didn't really feel like, like a bad loss, especially with their draft. You know, it was one of those games where it's like, okay, Yankos doesn't play Vi. He played one Vi game, didn't look fucking good. All right, drop the Vi and just go back to playing what you were before. But now it feels like the comp, the losses have compounded and they've lost confidence in themselves. So I mean, G2's always been a very emotional team. It felt like, you know, when they were good, they were really good. As soon as they lost confidence, they, you know, lose a bunch of games. So they're very streaky in, in terms of oh, how sure. uh, their wins and losses come. I mean, they had that ridiculous, what, like 24 game winning streak yeah, or yeah. something followed by nine games losing or, or something crazy. So this team, like, I just feel like they, they're not done by any means. They just have to figure out their identity again, get some wins, get, get, get some confidence and then go from there, build upon that. And if they need to, Maybe it's time for them to pull the misfits and just go back to what was working originally. Draft Orin. Just draft fucking Orin top every single game. Draft the, the solid lanes for Flockhead and then just let Captain Yankos do their thing and just get some wins on the board because it feels like they've forgot how to win. Yeah, one thing as well I will say that you were making me think about there is, that's even something I think we can now look at and put on a timeline, dude, because here's the problem before. Most people, I get the vibe, treated G2 like this. There was G2 that was the regular split and that upper bracket match they had against Fnatic that they lost. And then they act like, right, that's like act one of G2. And then what they do is they act like, and they pick whatever the narrative is. It's either like because they went on stage in front of the crowd or because they're in the lower bracket and they had the lower bracket run mentality. You know, like, whatever the reason is, they then make the one 
one that you're talking about, which begins the 24-0. So you go, you, you you sweep all the low bracket sets, you win LEC, you go to that rumble, not pre-rumble stage, sorry, where you play EG, you rock everyone, you win all those games. You win the first couple of games in the MSI rumble stage. Basically, that's where when you stop the 24-0, then people acted like, right, see, that was it. Like they were on cr the crowd buff. Caps are sort of rediscovering his playing style. You know, the teams like figured out the, co the coaching staff were getting all the praise. They figured out the meta, blah, blah, blah. So here's what then everyone acts like. They act like, right, that's like, that's G2 after though. That's who we got now. Dude, I actually think if anything, like you're saying there, there's two versions of G2. There's G2 when they're good and then they look really fucking good and they actually do look like the best team. But I tell you what, mate, if they're not actually at that peak form, man alive, they, they don't have like a B game, dude. They drop way down. They become like just a middling team. Like I say, if they're not at their absolute peak. And we've now seen this a bunch of times now because it bookends the really good period. Like when they go back to being like this, the problem is essentially when this team becomes just its individuals, it actually isn't the best LEC team. It's still pretty good. Let's be real. It's not terrible. It's certainly not a bad squad. And I actually am still shocked by like the standings. Like you say, like they have a losing record, same record as Astralis. I, I, I'm almost certain that will turn around. But I have to say at the moment, Dom, it looks to me like they themselves are going to get settled into one of those whack like spring vitality narratives of like, if we can just make playoffs though, if we just make playoffs, then we'll turn it all around. It's like, they might do. They might get the form of the players back. They might get the meta figured out. They might have a patch change, but I don't know, mate. This one feels like you can fucking flip a coin. Maybe they become really good again. Maybe they're just like the third best team now. Yeah, I mean, the good thing for them is that no one actually looks good right now. So there's that's not true. a team that you're like worried about. That's <laughs> Because before, like in spring, for example, you had the Rogue 9-0 that looked significarily more dominant. Oh, Mara sure was well. just shitting on everyone. Like everyone was just getting rolled by this guy. He was popping off and you actually had to be scared of that team. I mean, even Fnatic, I think, was, was something like six and three um, yeah, yeah. In, the, in the beginning of, of last split. So there was these teams that, that you felt like actually were strong in, in relation to the competition. But right now, there seems to be way more parity in the league and not because like everyone got really good it's like damn the league's really competitive all the teams are just playing on like a, a 10 out of 10 it's more just that there's no team that seems exceptional right now i mean there every team is flawed in some way so you don't feel like g2 has to make up that much ground it's more that True. they just need to get back in the mindset where it's like okay we're winners we believe in each other again like we know which fights are good now when you watch them play obviously i don't know what the comms are they haven't been released yet when we're recording this where they they do the comms but it looks like in the fights no one actually knows what they're doing it's kind of like oh this looks good can we fight this uh yeah like we can fight they're doing that that little like they're like bumbling and just like rolling on top of each other like uh rolling on top of themselves like some teams do where you know that there's they're not super poised as to like which fights are winning which fights are losing what conditions need to be met that they can just instantly capitalize on and just roll the fight um so yeah i mean i think that they're that it's also partly because of the champions they play like now they're playing a lot of gp and GP is not the type of champion where you're like, oh, this looks good, like fucking hard engaged. You're kind of just like fishing with barrel combos. And if you land a really nice one, then it's like, oh shit, I hit them. Like now we're going in. But it's not like you don't commit to the same degree as you do when you're playing an Orin where it's like, all right, I call the fucking ulti. Okay, I hit it like three people. They're all stunned. Kill the fucking people that are stunned. It's way more direct in how um, that comp is played out. So, I mean, honestly, I think that if I was the coach, I would try to dumb things down for like a couple weeks you know, get that baseline where you just understand how to win games and then go from there, build upon anyway, it again. Not to harp on it too much, but your boy Broken Blade is definitely a fucking victim of the gangplank. Yeah. Mate. That's, yeah. that's not looked good. I would just skip that if I were them, mate. I would skip that shit.
Yeah, it's really weird because he went from having like a terrible gangplank in TSM to like, yeah, and I'm talking locked. about yeah, this. Exactly, yeah. He had like a horrible gangplank. It was just, it was just a thing where if TSM locked in gangplank, the, yeah. like the whole fan base would just groan. They'd be like, oh fuck, like it's coming again. That's that's part of the reason why originally he was getting all the calls to be benched. It's like he can't play yeah. the fucking meta champions. He can't play gangplank. He can't play Orin. Like he couldn't play the tanks. That was the that was the whole idea. And then the weak yep. side uh, champions, like he was good strong side. He was good with counter pick. He was bad weak side. And then when he played with Shalka, actually. His gameplay got pretty good, and his gameplay looked like a legitimate threat. And these recent games, I don't know. It just doesn't look like it's like he's been super confident on the pick. And I don't know if that's just like you know bad matches or just like a symptom of how the overall uh, team has been playing. But it's just weird to see a lot of the lane phases that he's putting out because normally that's one of his strengths as a player. He's generally one of the better laning um, top leaders where he knows how to develop pretty big leads on his own. Now you're watching a lot of his lanes, and he's. He's getting the counter pick with Gangplank, playing it into somebody, but then he's like losing the lane or he's like down 10 CS in the lane. And then when it gets to team fights, I mean, I think that's probably the hardest part about Gangplank. It probably been it's the really weakest odd, part yeah. of his Gangplank game historically. So just a weird spot for him. But yeah, I mean, I think he's definitely uh, playing bad. But I mean, across the board, I would say the whole team is playing worse position by position. I don't think there's one player on G2 that I would say is like keeping their level. I mean, Yanko's just look. So. Like, like he's super strong. I mean, Flockhead and, and Target Buster starting to look like kind of how they looked in spring. And Caps, I'm um, like, still has but, some good games in the losses, but he's definitely not like a dominant player at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the problem with Caps has always been this like, even if he's playing pretty well, like when he's playing really well, he's just the best player to you yeah, by exactly. far, you know? Yeah. So you're always comparing him to that standard. So obviously it's not fair. Like, he's probably still the best player on the team. Yeah, it's just his standard so. is so much higher than everyone else's. No, to me, like, I, here's the analogy I would give for Caps. Basically, when their team isn't playing well, their team's like misfits. Like, Vethio to win games with misfits in the spring had to pull fucking miracles out, mate. He had to be, like, better than everyone in the server. So if this spring he's just, like, a good player, like, or misfits' best player, that doesn't always win either game. That won't just beat the opponent. I think the same thing with Caps. Like, as you say, unfortunately, we have a ridiculous standard for Caps. Like, if people know from, like, CSGO, this is the way we treat people like Simple and Z-Win and stuff, like... Their version of a bad game is a good game for a normal star player, but because their normal average is so transcendent, as mad as it sounds, you actually do expect them to carry every game. And if they don't, the team doesn't have the win conditions because that's just the fucking luxury world they live in. One thing I'll say, which you touched on a little bit there, is though, like, again, there's not that much to talk about because it's being talked to death on these shows, but this is also why all the analysts who are fucking legit keep telling fans, look, slow your fucking roll on the flackhead train, for God's sake. Like, again, we've now seen this guy play loads of LEC games, boys. Yes, he had a really good low bracket run. I actually think he did his job amazingly well. In fact, as I sort of implied, if you want to go with the idea of being like the tertiary carry, the third lane that's supposed to carry, that would be like a fucking video exercise. And like, here's how you do it as a rookie. Like, don't take too many chances. Play like this, play these things, whatever. He did a great job. He's just not a world-class player, boys. He's just like an all right player. In fact, the angle I thought is a way stronger narrative that a lot of people pushed which is a better angle is he's obviously got a really unique personality and seems like a really great sort of glue character who inspires like a fun vibe because if you notice in g2 in theory you want a fun vibe so you can roll with the punches and all the banter and all that shit so i think in general like again it's not a problem with him as a player but now you see why analysts and experts even when they win lec suggest like this is one of the weaker players on the team because if i had to fix this team tomorrow if you told me like oh oh yeah uh, we can transfer in and then name any of the top four ADCs. I'll do it tomorrow. They'd instantly be back in the fucking game competing for the championship. Whereas like 
as you see, if people like Capsian Costa, their level drops down, this guy's not going to 1v9 the game. He's just an all right player. It's not hit. He's just an all right player, boys. I mean, it's also just the, the champions that he's playing are way different. You know, like the way that you also, carry game on. Also, yeah. Well, I mean, I think that it's just he, he's not particularly good at a lot of the champions that are being played right now. So like the Twitch and Zeri, he's he's OK at both. He's all right. I, I wouldn't say he's right. stand out on, on either of them. And, you know, one of the champions that he actually played really well, which um, I didn't really see coming was the Zaya in, in the playoff bracket. And that's pretty much completely out of the meta. No one's really playing um, Zaya at all. And it's just not the same champion. Even when you do pick Zaya, you play it as a crit champion compared to like the build that was really popular um, during the lower bracket run, which was the lethality. Uh, Muramana build where you essentially play more like a caster. You're more like a poke uh, caster type thing. And then your ult is on much lower cooldown. So you don't have to position as well as you do generally with the crit build. So um, yeah, I mean, I just think that they're kind of in this weird um, spot and the easiest way to band-aid this, just start banning Zeri because then if you ban Zeri, you don't have to play the weird counters. You don't have to be like, oh, we're going to leave up Zeri and Yumi and then we're going to give them Zeri, but then we're going to take the Twitch Yumi and then they get the fucking counter pick to Yumi, but it's fine because Twitch scales like and can't get, get abused hard by Zeri. You don't get into that whole little fucking mind game. You go down the rabbit hole and then yes. it's like, is this even good for us anymore? We're like sacrificing our entire fucking identity. Like Targumus can't even roam when he's playing that, that pick really. Yeah. And you know, is this really all the resources that we want to expend in draft just to get the situation that's like mediocre for us? It's not even a great situation um, at the end of the day. So I think that, you know, it's pretty easy to, to rebound from here, especially from pick and ban, because that was, that was the issue that they've had in a lot of uh, the previous games. I think that this week their pick and ban were fine. It was fine pick and bans, but it wasn't great for them. You know, it's like, okay, on paper, it's fine, but on paper doesn't mean shit when you have like flawed teams, like an on paper draft for a top LPL team can be fucking terrible. If you give it to the sure. wrong one, you know, yeah. it's really just about playing within um, your team strength and, doing what you know how to do. And even though it was weird, even though most people thought that the big strength was going to be playing through top lane and just having like top lane carries when this team was performing the best, what did they do? They picked Orin. They picked these tanks every game. And you have those in the meta. You have Orin still in the meta. You have, uh, you have Nars still in the meta. You have Sejuani now in the meta. So Orin Sedge, like go back to that and then really try to focus in on, on what your team did well before. I feel like that happens generally to a lot of teams. Like I remember as a player, um, I would have similar experiences where you, you do something well for a long period of time that you almost take it for granted and you start branching out on other things. But if you're not consistently going back and practicing yes. what, what your roots are, you lose it. And then when you go back and you're like, oh my God, it's not a free win anymore. I've, I've had this happen to, with pretty much every team I'm on. You overestimate your ability to just jump back to the things that you did well and automatically win. So you've got to just bring it out every now and then. Like, even if you watch some of the top teams in the world, I've been watching a lot of RNG and you would think like, okay, these guys just won MSI. They just won LPL. Like they're going to start branching out more. Fuck no. Like almost, almost every single series that you see them play, they'll have one game where Jahu will just play as fucking Lissandra mid, play Gwen top. They'll play the Viego with it. And they will just do their standard RNG comp. The one they used for, to, to win MSI and they'll take a win. Even if they're playing against bad teams, because they want to have that strong baseline. I've got something on that topic, actually. Like, first of all, on that angle, like you're saying there, of like when you build up a skill, it's easy to take it for granted, basically. And in fact, even to make the mistake, this is a more general point, obviously, than just about esports. It's also very easy to think because I've now got that skill. Nah, it's actually easy. Like, you know, now that I've got it, it's like riding a bike and I'll never forget it. But actually, that's the difference. The reason, by the way, everyone always cites the example of like, you don't need to like learn to ride a bike twice, is because that's one of those things that's like a very unique, actually. like. 
that and swimming, you really can just not do it for like 10 years and somehow you will do it. Everything else, in my opinion, in life is the opposite. Like, basically, once you build something up, as you say, like, part of why it seems easy is because you essentially train yourself unconsciously to just be able to iterate that same, like, blueprint motion of, like, do this first or do, like, a certain motion or an order or timing. And so if you if you stop doing it after a while, you almost have to consciously think about it again to make it happen. So what I would say is this. This is an, a, an analogy, example, rather, from sports. That Actually, I think, dude, a lot of people might not know this, right? You know, if you ever hear those stories about Steph Curry, I'll pick him, right? Because he's obviously the new NBA champion again, and he's legendary mm. for all the three-point shooting, right? I'm sure everyone knows there's loads of stories about him practicing, blah, 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 et cetera, right? But here's what people wouldn't get, Tom, because it's actually, a re it's for modern people, I think this is a counterintuitive point, right? Steph Curry, the best three-point shooter ever, shoots the most three-point shots in practice easily. Like, he shoots a bazillion of them, right? Now, actually, if you don't know, a lot of people would think that other way around. They would go, but he is the best, and he has the best skill and the best accuracy. So actually, if anything, he could be the guy that could take more time off, couldn't he? He could sort of fuck around half the time, and then he would still be better than, like, the guy who's an average three-point shooter. Yeah, he would, but the point is, he would his skill would degrade. Same thing if people don't know. Back in the day, like 10, 15 years ago, Steve Nash used to be absurd at free throws, mate. I think it was like a 91% free throw shooter or something yeah. absurd, right? Same thing. He just practiced a billion free throws every day. And even when they're at the peak of their skill, they do the most practice in that sense. So actually, what you're getting to now, by the way, is why we have this discussion in all the league shows during the regular split that goes like this. Because we're going to be able to apply this some teams in a minute, I think, actually, by the way. The conversation always goes, are you trying to just get the next W, which means basically you've got like a four-day practice window where at the end of the fourth day you need to get a result somehow, or are you practicing to just be a better like holistic League of Legends team, which that might mean you practice things that don't pay off for weeks, potentially months and months, right? So the premise goes, and it's always the dilemma that fans miss. You can't, it's not like a video game where it's like, right, I completed level 10, so I keep all like my sideline and that. Like, if you don't ever sideline again and you were a sideline team, You'll be shitting it when you try it in three weeks or in the game when you haven't done it for a whole week. Like you, you will drop off. It's why the battle always is how much can I conserve and how much can I like spend on experimenting? Which is why when draft is shit, sometimes experimenting is a waste of time. Sometimes draft might be like this. It might be worth all the fucking gold in the world to have crazy picks and angles people don't get. It's definitely an underrated part of just League of Legends as a whole. And part of the reason that I watch so much LPL is because when you watch these teams, they are very... They're, they're very strict on what they play and they don't try to be jacks of all trades. They have their styles and you get to yes. watch teams that are very practiced at their own styles just com compete against other teams that are great at the things that they're great at. So you have the, this really good dynamic between teams that are really good at both of the things that they're doing. Whereas I feel like in the West, everyone just like tries to become super like good at everything like somehow they can play like side lane they could also play mid but then at the end of the day they're just not great at any of them and that's just that's not what you're going to need to to build a champion uh championship team so when you think about teams like rng for example last year at worlds and people were flaming them oh man why are they picking like all this fucking annie like if galio and tf are banned why do they go to to, to annie and all these shit yes. champions like why are they not just playing something that is a better pick that they are worse at in reality, it seems like in League of Legends, the teams that end up doing the best are teams that have a very general play style. If you think about world champions, right? You think about the teams that have hit the absolute peak. Just think about the last four that we've had. We had EDG that was bot lane focused the entire fucking, the entire season. They were just a bot lane focused yep. team. You have in 2020 Dom one, which was the jungle Canyon carry meta where he was playing Nidalee and Graves. And he was just the best in the world at that. Yeah, they yeah. played similarly every single game. 
2019 FPX, what were they known for? Nautilus mid, things like that, just roaming and diving side lanes with, with, uh, with jungle and mid and support even. Then you have 2018, which is the shy, right? Like that was when he was the fucking godlike top. He was probably the highest peak of a top leader that we've ever yep. seen. And he was the all-star carry of the team. Like these teams are not randomly in big matches starting to play through bot side, for example. It's not like you're like, oh, Dom won. Hmm, maybe Ghost is not going to play like Jin or Ash or one of these picks these game. And, and he's going to go play something really hard carry. They're going to just play through like a, a, a Jinx or an Aphilios and Ghost is going to carry the game. Every now and then they did that. I'm not saying that it never happened ever. Of course, yeah. But generally, they know what they're going to do. And if they do branch out and they play one of those other styles, it's going to be an almost an ideal situation for that style yes. because of the way that the draft turned out where they're like, all right, even if we're not the best Aphilios team in the world, if you are giving us a free Aphilios angle and you're like calling our bluff here, we're going to just take it. We're, we're going to actually just go and, and pick the thing that, that you're you're thinking that we just won't you do. You think so that the Western teams are more likely to do like essentially what they think are just strong drafts, et cetera, but like for the wrong team setup in this sense? Uh, I mean, I just think that they try to like, even the way that the, the narratives go in, in, in the West, you know, I can tell because I do a lot of LPL streams. When people pick a champion, they're like, what the fuck? Why would they pick this champion here? This champion sucks here. It's like, yeah, but like, that's that guy's champion. Like, it, yes. that's what that guy does. Like, you have to beat him at his best. Yeah, he's yeah. going to be better. He's going to be good enough at that. <clears> that <throat> he's going to compensate for a lot of the matchup difference. Like, League of Legends is a game that where... People is basically Arbutz picking Wukongs when it makes sense, though, but not for anyone else. Yeah, essentially, essentially. Yeah, no. I like he you know it. He can win on it. Yeah, but already him. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I like seeing that type of stuff. And I feel like these teams are trying to spread themselves way too thin in terms of like play styles. Like just sure. commit to who you are. Like you're going to have an identity that's naturally going to come arise. That, that's going to come around because of what you scrim with. Like you're going to play the games. You're going to know in the games who the fuck is good on your team, what your teammate's strengths are, and try to like funnel everything through that. It doesn't have to be so extreme. Like I think that LPL teams are way too extreme. When it comes to that, you know, like they'll just counterpick themselves on purpose because they, they're like, no, you cannot leave this champion up versus us. Like that is like a little bit sure. fucking crazy. Like they're a little bit psychotic in that sense. But I just think that in general, these like I've, I've seen this pattern so many times where a team will get good at one style and then they'll completely drop it, start playing something else. And they'll be like, yeah, we got that style in the bag. Eventually, when you play against better and better teams, somebody's going to challenge you and you're going to have to relearn it. I mean, it's the same way if you just play solo queue. If you're just a random player and you play solo queue and you play, you know, your, your meta champions, you play like your Karthus, whatever, and then you switch and you're like, okay, today I'm like, I'm just going to work on something else. If you play three, four days of champions that, that you don't normally play, and then you go back to the stuff you're comfortable on and you play at your same ELO, like what you, what naturally is a competitive ELO for you, you will notice a fall off in your gameplay. Like if you're truly at like a, an ELO where you're playing against people that are almost as good as oh. you or at, or they are as good as you or better, you're going to notice a, a very big drop off from where you're playing in just three to four days. And the same thing happens with teams. All right. But being as we start with G2 and we started with like the top of the league, etc. I actually think a team that's on the rise and we have to address because again, we're going to flip the dynamic. The first few weeks were all about us flaming the fuck out of misfits. Right. And basically saying like, they probably, they might not even be a playoff team or they're the worst playoff team or the team sort of falling apart, etc. But I have to say every week that goes by, they actually do look better and it is reflected in the standings, Dom. And this week obviously was a monster week. They beat fucking G2 and Fnatic. Like as much as certainly we could spend loads of time going into why Fnatic's bad and we're going to, I'm no doubt. Like, and we've just gone into why G2's got problems. You've got to give something to Misfits, mate. Like I actually do think as the season goes on, they are sort of getting it together a little bit. Like for example, the irrelevant guy, as much as I made fun of his name and I thought, who the fuck is this guy? He's had some all right games. 
I, here's the thing. Fethiol's pretty good still, obviously. I actually thought Neon had a banger game this week. Mercer's all right. Mm. Here's the thing, though. I will say it, and I am just Mercer's a consistent not all right. hater. <laughs> I did all right there just to sort of skip over talking about him. But yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I'm going to quickly just <laughs> deflect and just say this, though. You might go 2-0 week. Oh, beat G2 and Fnatic. Slatten's probably there like, please, Thorin, I get my credit this week. You get nothing, mate. You tried to fucking lose that G2 game. What are you talking about? Like, that's the problem. <laughs> Not everyone gets full credit for the wins, Dom, because that was egregious as fuck. But anyway, so I think in general, actually, like, here's the difference. I thought this team had nothing in the first few games of the split. They looked really fucking bad. They're not, like, great, but, like, put it this way. I'd say it this way. They can catch throws, mate. They can, they can win some games. Like, they've still, the main two players are still good, and the top player's not terrible. I actually think that they're actually starting to become half decent, mate. They look almost like they could be a gatekeeper for playoffs, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I was listening to something veteran said, and I think he hit the, the nail on the head, which is they progressed by, like, regressing back to what they did in previous splits like or in the previous oh, split. Like, that's mean, they yeah, yeah. Getting better. yeah which which i think yeah i mean it, it seems to work well Dude, for them i mean vibe you know in my opinion the na team that's done the same thing is 100 thieves they just they just realized like fuck we actually have like one basic blueprint that does work just do that go back to what we used to do yeah then again they did get shit on by FlyQuest this week so like True. who knows okay. <laughs> like it is an na version of it but yeah i mean i think that they've just gone back to to what they were doing well so i mean we're seeing like you know, Leeson be prioritized again. And I mean, I will say Sean has gotten a little bit better on some of his other picks. It seems yeah, like he's, sure. he's progressing um, in a sense. And then they play weak side top and Vedio every single game. He's playing like something that can mega carry the game. You know, like the only game I would say that he didn't go for a pick that was supposed to just completely like 1v9 late game would be the Akali game. But it was a pretty, pretty good Akali game, right? Like they had very limited amounts of CC. very good Akali play, yeah. So... That was the time where I was okay with it. You know, you see the team draft almost no CC. Okay, go for the Kali. But I like that they're they're going back to what they were good at. I mean, if yeah, you yeah. look at, at Neon's recent picks, right? You look at Neon's recent picks. What is he playing? He's playing all things that can carry super hard late game. Kaisa, Zeri, Aphilios, yep. you know? What were they winning on early? Or what were they losing on earlier in the split? Ezreal, Senna. Like, they're not a Senna team. Like, to, to, to be a Senna team, you like, Senna's a supportive AD carry. You need to have enough power in other places yes and essentially the way this team is going to function is you have like two really good players on your team you have Vedio and neon they need to be able to fucking carry and clean up all the bullshit that your team's going to do early game because there's going to be some fucking horrible games from mercer and schlein they're just going to get outclassed by by some of the better um duos in the league so i i like that they've actually figured out their way to win and now teams are going to have to start thinking about misfits again because for a while i feel like the teams that they're playing against aren't really considering them a legitimate threat. They're like, oh yeah, it's just misfits, you know, like we'll just play standard and we'll beat them. Like, no. Do you think, dude, if you look over the whole year, actually Neon's probably been slightly slept on, mate. I know he's obviously had the big games, like those massive comebacks in the spring where people will noted he was good or whatever. But I actually think the only times this year I've seen him look a bit off was just when the meta went super hard or his team didn't draft at all for ADC. Like, he actually looked pretty consistently good, mate. Bear in mind, his team looks that great. He hasn't exactly got all to help, has he? I think he's pretty good. Yeah, no, I think I think he's been playing well too. I mean, it was hard to really judge him in spring because Jinx was such like an abomination of a of a champion cool. that you know he would just have so many games where he's just cleaning up everyone. And it's like, all right, like is the other team just throwing and Jinx is OP, or are you like, you know, playing well? But now that he's bringing out the Kaisa, he's bringing out the Zeri, like he's he's able to play the Philios, which he was actually good at in spring, even though he didn't play that much. I feel like his game has you know become a lot more scary. It's not like he's just going to sit there and farm with a hyper carry. Like he can play picks that'll actually punish you in lane. So yeah, I mean, I think he's definitely looking like one of the best AD carries in in LEC right now. 
you know, if we talk a bit about Rogue, you sort of, you you alluded to it earlier, right? This is where if you're Rogue, you can just never win. Like, my joke is you really do just have to win LEC. It's the only way anyone's ever actually going to, like, open their heart again and allow you in. Because you have to realise you've broken everyone's hearts like four splits in a row. So, like, the problem is no one can trust you, Rogue, because you've given them trust issues, you fuck. You've constantly drawn them in. And they're like, no, no, baby, it's all right. It'll be different this time. This look, oh, look, I'm with you. Oh, this time I'm committed. I'm going to win with the comeback in the upper bracket final and do nothing in the final. It's like... So they've just betrayed you too many times. They've lost in every possible way. They've done it where they go lower bracket to the final. They've got upper bracket to the final. Like, they go 3-2 in the final. They lose 3-3. Three, three, they do everything, right? So here's the problem, Tom. Even though right now they are number one in the league, even though they have won seven games in a row, although technically it should be six because fuck that Mad Lions game. But even though they've won seven games in a row, Dom, I've realised why they are actually fucked as a team. And here's why. Because when I actually watch them with the eye test, they still don't look like the best team in the league. They do win and they look sometimes clean, like sometimes. But I've realised here's the fatal flaw of Rogue in all forms. Because Rogue isn't like a super pop-off team. It's more one where they just like work as a unit and they just like collectively do a good job and everyone's like fairly consistent in terms of the laners and stuff. The, the problem is if you don't have a pop-off factor and then people know that you collapse in playoffs... There is no sort of like, you don't feel like you have like the fighting chance to win. So I actually do think, Dom, for real, even if they win every game from here on, until they win the LEC, everyone's going to still have that reservation. Like, I think it's just permanent now, isn't it? Because I think the same thing, because they just win, but it's like you get a win, but it's not the most crazy impressive. It doesn't like change the narrative, I feel like. That's why no one really has them as number one. I think everyone else thought it was excellent until this week. And now most people probably as Mad Lions do. I think these are the teams that get the credit. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just also the teams that they beat, right? Because if you look at, like, what people perceived as the top four teams coming into the split, um, outside of them, so if you remove Rogue, the other four teams that people were, were pretty high on, it was G2, Fnatic, Mad Lions, and XL. Yes. They lost to G2 and Fnatic in the first week, and then the, the XL and the Mad Lion games were both throws they were, they that they were, caught. They were suspicious, yeah, sure. They were, both, they were both just the enemy team throwing. Like, Mad, was, yes. Mad played the, the first Mad one was really minutes. egregious, yeah. Yeah. They played the first 26 minutes better, and then they played minutes 27 and 28 worse and lost the whole game. Yeah. That, to me, like, felt more like... I was like, I was more mad at how the game worked than I was actually at Mad Lions for that. I'm like, that shouldn't even be fucking possible. Like, you shouldn't even be able to do anything to fuck up the game that hard at that point. Like, it just, it's not know. even realistic. Like, That's what the a, fuck I, is I that? That shouldn't even count as a throw. It's not a throw if I do like, one tiny mistake and then you take the whole game. That's like, that's like at that point in time, fucking Mark Merrill and Riot are holding you down while fucking Rogue directs you at that point. Aren't they? Like, what is this yeah. shit? <laughs> yeah, and then the, uh, the XL game was... I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's XL's worst game because they had some pretty bad games against SK and Astralis, but it was definitely the game where I was like the most confused afterwards because they were oh, in such a winning position. I know. They just ended up like, I don't know, just making bad decision after bad decision. By the way, as a random aside, that is the one thing in League I'll never really get used to, especially because it changes as the meta changes, is the fact that in League, like, like wins and losses in within the context of, like, being ahead in the game, there's no, it's not, they're not linear and they're not, like, equal. Whereas, like, you know, like Counter-Strike, when I watch it, it's not like I can be up 9-1 in you on rounds, but then there's a special round comes where if you win that one round, you just win 10 you rounds. 10 you know what I mean? Like, that, 
Imagine if that in CSGO if you were a fan, it would make the whole game madness. That is what League of Legends is. You really can have games where you play like 20 minutes, like you say. You're like consistently making good choices. Maybe you're even winning all like fights early with the death timers mean fuck all. But then everyone knows there's those moments in the game where you lose like 1k team fight on a dragon soul. And the whole fucking game's over and you're like, what are, what are we even doing in this game? Why have we got like a roulette component to it? What the fuck? Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. <laughs> it is. It actually is, though. Because you remember, here's the problem I've learned, Dom, in esports. It's actually not the fault of all the people watching. Like, the way we perceive things, we just sort of do it, and then we afterwards consciously think we can't, like, make ourselves perceive differently. So in the same way, right, that best of one wrecks everyone, including us. Even if me and you say, well, of course, best of one's anything that can happen. At the same time, if you see a best of one and they look crazy bad, you do overreact. You go, oh, shit, man, they can't possibly yeah. win anything. So in the same sense, right, the real problem we have in these game settings like that is it's really hard actually to process that, that that the game's unfair like that so we actually do treat teams like they fucked up like you're supposed to just play perfectly all the time like you're definitely not like like i even think by the way what you were saying earlier about like how the parity in the league but not in a good way it's not like everyone's playing great in this parity i even think some of that's surely going to do with like the draft phase we're in now dude because it looks like there is so much complexity to what you could do with the draft and a way you can fuck up your own draft like it's getting really it reminds me of that period Do you remember like a couple of years ago where it was like, this is why teams like G2 were actually really good with the super team. You couldn't even tell from the first couple of picks where they were going. Like, they could just completely, like, reverse order in the draft and, you, you, you like, fuck your whole comp. Like, yeah, I get the fuck pick. It feels like that now. Like, the dude, the joke is now we're in, like, LS's fucking Wonderland where it's, like, the, the gathering world of, like, trying to do all those crazy, like, back and forth drafts. Like, it, I, I, I hate that as a fan, so I can't imagine what the coaches are like. It sounds like they're in a nightmare, mate. Yeah, it's, it's definitely hard. And I, it feels like there's very little room for experimentation because if you do like experiment you lose it's not like oh well we just lost one one game like we tried something it didn't work out you know we just go next game we ban whatever the fucking champion is because it's always a catalyst to why teams draft the same way it is it like you can normally look at it, it's like oh so what was the main decision it's like they decided to not ban zary or they picked or they like decided to leave lissandra open versus nuke Duck. there's always one thing that you can boil down everything else where you can take everything else and you can funnel it into oh, this one decision changed the landscape of the entire game. And you see it all the time when you watch like regions that have best of threes. They'll leave something open one game. You know, they'll give the guy his best champion. It's like, oh, well, we have a counter pick for it. It won't work. And they'll be like, all right, fuck it. Let's not, let's not even do it. In, in LEC, it feels like it kind of makes, it's weird because it feels like it makes you play more one-dimensional, but then teams try to try more things, which is like, it's strange to me because if if it is like that, unless you have an absolute top ranking, I feel like you should just be trying to just stockpile as many fucking wins as possible and get that that winner bracket. As long as you're top four, you're fine. You at least start in the winner's bracket. But like if you're in the fifth, sixth spot, if you're like G2 right now, I feel like you really just have to like dumb things down. Like just have a general formula for how you want to draft, what you think is strong, have your OP picks, pick them early, just comp around it with, with pretty neutral things. By the way, one thing I will say as well is, right, bearing in mind, obviously, this technically is like the dream meta for fucking uh, Larson, because it's just like Isaiah Corky and all the shit he plays, basically. I'll tell you one thing I just realised this week, because obviously he played it, like, recently. It's like, wait, where the fuck have all the Lissandra games been in in this guy's career? Like, you would think Larson's, like, fucking born to play Lissandra. Think about it, he's, yeah. he's perfectly within that frog and nuke duck wheelhouse. Like, where's this guy's picks been? He should have been on this age ago, mate. It's just an obvious pick for you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's solid for him. I think the problem with Lissandra is that uh, I think in previous metas, it was way harder to get through the lane. Like when you'd play against something sure. like an old Syndra, an old Doriana, 
it was like, well, you've lost the whole game because you're down like 20 CS with Lissandra. You're just perma pushed in. You can never make a play. Now, runes, items, whatever, TP, like the fact that you can just TP back to your lane and you, the other guy can't TP anywhere else. It's yes. completely changed the way that, that Lissandra interacts in the lane and it just seems like a much better pick. So, um, yeah, I mean, I definitely think that that's something that, that he should be playing more. I mean, it's, sure. it's something that will stonewall the lane. And I think that it's something that's good versus the better mid laners. Like if you play a final yes. and you're playing against Cap, exactly. that's the type of champion I want to have. I don't want to play the skill matchup yes. versus Ka Cap <clears throat> in the finals, you know? Do the old crown versus faker technology. Yep. You're like Malzahar every game. Like yep. you are not going to be able to beat my, my fucking bulletproof, idiot-proof champion. Like I will sit in the lane. Yes. I will not lose lane to you. Control him. Make other people beat you. Like that's, you know, that's you know the famous, the whole reason now Lissandra's just been permanently besmirched in league history is obviously because of that famous Caps line to Jensen, right? You know, back to back Lissandra, Lissandra now. But they don't get that if you're a fan. Listen to the wisdom in that. What that means is, yeah, if you're playing against prime Caps, somebody who is almost certainly going to outskill you and potentially fucking style on you, just go to a champion that neutralizes that, that you can still do something in the game and be useful on. He's actually giving you a fucking free lesson in League of Legends there if you're some lower level player. Like, that's what you should do. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Especially by the way, if you have stars and the rest of your team, let them fucking carry some of these games. There's a Lissandra for every lane. Exactly. Yeah, there's a Lissandra yes, for every is, fucking lane. Yes. For AD carry, it's it's a Jin. For support, it's like a Nautilus or like a Thresh or something like that. For top lane, it's Orin. Like every lane just has a Lissandra. Sometimes you just have to go back to Lissandra. When you play versus a better team, if you're playing one of these Asian teams exactly, at the yeah. top of the standings, yes. play some Lissandra. Play five Lissandras, one in each role. Oh, by the way, that's another thing. It's obviously all proportionate right so maybe in lec you're the killer maybe you're the guy who murders everyone but if you're going against knight or rookie like this world's maybe consider Lissandra's comp every now and then might help yeah. out because they're gonna fucking murky if you haven't been watching lpl they're, they're really good right now it's unreal in it yeah they're they're really good and also like you got to watch out because there's no one that has a silas like knight in in the no west one, like no there's one, no mate. there's no knight silas over here so you probably have to ban silas and then pick Lissandra. like you're gonna have to really like sacrifice without Lissandra pick but it'll yes. help you it'll help you at least it gives you the ability to fight i mean that's the thing is when you it's part of the reason that that people play this champion is because it sets up other champions it's not just that uh, that Zhao who loves the uh, loves Lissandra, right like that's not the main thing it's not like oh but he's such a fucking good Lissandra player it's that they play Lissandra with viego like they play a champion that will lock down, kill one person, and they set up the Viego to succeed. Like that's the type of things that you need to to figure out how you're going to be able to do. And you could tell in that final versus T1 at MSI how much they knew about that unique combination. They took legitimate 4v5s against T1, which was the best Rift Herald team in the world. They were heralded as the best yeah. Herald team in the world. And they would just take a 4v5 knowing like, okay, sure, it's a 4v5, but if we play our Lissandra Viego like this, it's a winning fight. You know, we just got to make sure that we get that one shot, get the reset for Diego. He'll snowball through the fight, kill everyone. So yeah, back to Lissandra. That's, that's the name of that segment. Now, as we discussed on the show, there are no really impressive looking teams right now in LEC. There's no complete team that has no flaws, no weakness, doesn't throw the game, etc. So even with that said, and even with a little bit of the praise I gave to Misfits and a little bit of criticism of other teams, I have to say there is a matchup here I have for you, a bet that I'm going to make, that I think is ridiculous, which is Misfits, when they play against XL, are the favourite. They're a 1.815 favourite because Misfits has been on a little run. They've been 
actually beaten big name squads. They have been catching a bunch of thoughts. I don't think they've been initiating that many. Vethio's playing well. Neon looks good. Even though Excel's lost three of their last four, they're off the boil a little bit. The fact that they're the 1.963 underdog to 1.815 for Misfits. I'm taking Excel. I think Excel still genuinely over the whole split looks like the cleanest team in the league. I think their setup's generally very good. I think Nuke's got, Nuke Duke's got his champion pull right in the meta as we are right now. Generally, people are just looking good across the board. Yes, they can lose and certainly they don't have superstar players in the same way some of the other teams do. But I think they're a better squad than Misfits and I'm taking them to win this. I'm saying, I'm, a, I'm actually fairly confident, especially I'm getting the underdog here, but I actually think they're the favourites. So I'm going to go the big one, full 1,000, which is one of the big bets I do. I'm even just going to do a small one. We're going big on this one, boys. I think I think we're going to get this one. I think my boy Nuke Duck back to Lissandra, back to a win in the BO1. Being as, obviously, like, if people don't know, eight of the ten teams in the league have, like, four to seven wins. Like, the, the parity is crazy right now. Obviously, we can keep going up and down the table. So, we'll go to the old classic that we've addressed a few times. But, mate... Astralis keeps fucking winning these games. It's ridiculous. And I actually think as well, as much as, like, here's the joke. It's not like Vizic actually ever has improved as a player. It looks like just equally the same. If anything, they actually draft some stupid champions that he definitely can't play right now. So I don't know why yeah. they do that. No, but aside not. from that, the joke is, this is another team that knows the fucking blueprint for how to win a game, mate. Like, they definitely, like, you know exactly what to draft on the fucking Jonghoon guy. If you give him his playmaker champs, he'll do something. Kobe is actually looking half decent. That's You notice when this, this lineup came in, I did say, though, I think Kobe actually gets slightly underrated because, unfortunately, when he was at his peak, he was probably overrated. Like, that Splice team, and when he went to TSM, not when he was in TSM because they didn't use him properly, but when he was going there, he was overrated. People made out like he was some fucking monster ADC. He's never going to be, like, fucking some super carry boys. But if you give him the setup like this and the sort of picks he gets now, he's always going to be, like, a solid player. And then I actually think, if you look at the squad in general, like, this is actually a half-decent team now, mate. It's not going to win anything, of course. It's obviously not going to be a playoff team, blah, blah, blah. Like if it makes playoffs to go out six, that goes out ten. But they, yeah. like, this isn't just that they fluke those first games. They do. They actually have something to the squad. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I, I don't know how to feel about them because they did beat SK Misfits and BDS. But like right now, I take Misfits over them. So I mean, I, I mean, think Misfits has a way higher fucking ceiling. At least they have like star players and stuff. Yeah, I don't know exactly. Well, Misfits was also just like in like an identity crisis in those first yeah, exactly. couple weeks. Anyway, they didn't know who the fuck yeah. they were. So. I think, like, BDS, they look definitely more more solid than BDS. But, I mean, I think that might be the only team I actually think that they are legitimately better than. I think that they are the ninth best team. I think with, with SK, the way that SK is playing, even though SK is one game down, I would say that SK's two most recent wins were more convincing to me than the Astralis agree, wins yeah. sure. that, that, that we've seen. Um, it's so, I mean, the problems is this. Like, let's be real. Here's why the Astralis wins will never seem that legit. Because at the end of the day, every single actual good team in the world has at least one or two laners that are some of the stars, right? You look at the three laners on Astralis. I tried to compliment Kobe there. He's about the best. The DR guy, it's not even that he's bad. He's just, he's just whatever, and he? he's just a non, a non factor. And then Visit yeah. he's just an old guy just using his brain. So, like, yeah, as I say, I'm impressed they're getting this many wins, mate. But like, what more can I expect? Like, they're not doing much more than this. Like, oh yeah, and that I mean, was absolute miracle pickup with that Jonghoon guy. They shouldn't even have had this guy, basically. Yeah, I, when you look at Astralis, right? Even if they don't win a game for the rest of the split, they still have more wins Absolutely. than they did last split. Like, yeah, like, yeah, they do. You're right. Yeah, last split there were three and fifteen. So like, I thought that they would have. If if you were to to, to guess or make me guess how many wins they would have at the end of the split, I would have said three to five. Yeah, yeah. And they already have four. So 
even if they only beat BDS in the second half, they overperformed. I mean, this is what you get out of this lineup. You should be really happy if you're like, I think you're the strongest manager that you even got sure. here because this could have went way worse than it already has. And, you know, at least the team seems to have some like winning spirit where they, sure. they have things that like they're trying to figure out how they could win games. And they're, they're making the most out of the tools they have. I'll say that. The thing is, though, when I look at their lineup, though, like assuming they're going to keep any of these pieces for next year, I would like to see the same team. But if you actually had like a legit prospect in mid, like someone who's actually like got like pop offs, like big, like you know what, mate? Since we were talking about them a minute ago, even though actually for so many weeks of the split, SK didn't get those upsets and weren't somehow actually winning the games, even when they were close. Obviously, this was the SK week where they went crazy, dude. This is one of the first weeks where I actually see what people are hyping about that certain guy. He actually has, he actually has some pop offs now. Like if they had a player like that on Australia, yeah, maybe they could win a few more games because actually like now is SK they're actually like fucking peaking if anything right yeah I mean the thing that makes me a little bit worried is the fact that they played Poppy in both of those games and I feel like that's a champion that suits Gilius really well yeah, you know, yeah. Like, he, he he Gilius is probably the worst team fighting jungler in the league but Definitely he is like sauce. yeah I always compare him to a player in LPL called Hacker and people that watch my stream oh, will understand that yeah yeah where, where it's like this guy like has a pretty good idea for like how to gank lanes. Like, yep. like Gilly's is smart about like, okay, they've award here. They've award here. I could potentially like get this angle on this top laner or I could skip this camp. Like he has a good idea for, for ganks like that. But in terms of like raw, like just instincts in a team fight instincts in a three V three doesn't feel like that's something that, that he's really good at. And I think Poppy is a champion um, that is able to do all the things that you want. Like he has pretty decent ganks early game. He has the ability to dive. You can make use of your brain. Um, in the first 15 and minutes. And all he has to do, basically, is if he just lands that ult in a team fight, job done. There you go, job yep. done. Right, that's it. You've done it. You've done your job. Yeah. Well done. I mean, he generally overcommits to every team fight. That's, like, one of the biggest issues with Gilius. It's like, he just, do like, it's like he doesn't understand how tanky he is in relation to the other team's damage. When I watch him play, it feels like, you know, he's the type of guy that's like, I'm going in. Oh, I got one shot. Like, it's like, it's oh, surprises it, him every time. He thinks it's like the Cinder Hulk meta just forever, basically. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's old like me. Back in season five, we used to be unkillable. Yes, now, yes. fuck this durability patch. You get one shot by everything. Like, like you can't just go in and just tank for like five seconds. That's not happening. Maybe a top laner could do that, not you. So, by the way, actually, I have an, I have a question for a second. If we come out of the LEC and out of like this sure. week of where we are, that more of a, a historical question. One thing I want to ask you specifically about because you're one of the people I know who actually cares about this champion and thought was relevant in the meta. No one ever brings this up ever, Dom. One of the reasons I think League of Legends has been so different the last few years as well is Rexi has been completely not existent people have forgotten there were years where that was like the fucking jungler or like the defining jungler in the meta like don't you think that has changed league completely i mean yeah i think that, that that's a champion that people put a lot in, of games into and just because of changes it just isn't really playable like when you see lee sin being played the reason why lee sin can survive is because he can actually make use of gore drinker the problem is that rexi being in competitive, like it's never, it was never best played as a pure assassin. Like, sure, you had that one self-made like IE Rexi game. Yeah, sure. Which then go well. like <laughs> that's that was not one, yeah. the fucking norm. That is no, not was a joke. Was supposed I know. To be. It was always a champion that you would try to like stay ahead of the pace of the game, and you would just play like a consistent early game. That's the 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 champion that you try to get early dragons on. You would just try to to use the ability to fight. Um, to just get advantages. And now the problem is that everything got tankier, but you have to play as an assassin. Like the only way that you can actually make Rek'Sai work right now is with Prowler's Claw, which essentially means you're going full lethality, which means that you're just going to fall off a fucking cliff. It just made right. the strengths of the champion. It made his early game like, like 
a little bit better, but then his fucking mid and late game is way worse. And there's just too many things that are good into it. It's like back back in in old Rek'Sai days, there were not that many champions that could just go Cinder Hulk. Like a lot of teams, a lot of champions would have to match Warrior for Warrior. In which case, Rek'Sai had like a free one shot on you anytime he sees you. Right now, you can only essentially play it as a counter pick to things like Lee Sin, maybe Jarvan or Xin Zhao, depending on the rest of the comp. You can maybe make it work in those um, situations too. Viego is like, if you want to be super ballsy, if you really want to play it, maybe you can get into those champions. But you can't draft the shit blind at all. And the way the jungle is generally picked in competitive play is it's picked pretty, it's picked pretty high in most of most of the regions. Oh, I think sure, yeah. recently people have started dropping jungle priority a little bit, but for most of the split so far, it's been Wukong first, Viego second, Wukong Viego. One of those was banned, it'd be Viego Lee Sin. Then when Zin started coming up, it'd be Viego Lee Sin Zin. Like those would be the, the ones you'd go after Wukong. So it's very streamlined. And now when you have champions like Poppy, it's like you don't want to play uh, a rec science champion like that either. So that champion just doesn't work right now in, in competitive League of Legends. It is such a, a counter pick, and you're essentially only doing it if your jungler if your jungler is like a carry centric point of your team. Like you want this guy to just pop off in order to win a game. So yeah, I think that that changed the, the game a lot. And I don't know if it changed it for the better because it was a unique champion that actually uh, made the game fun to watch. Like what, the, the best part about that champion, the reason why I was played so much in competitive was his ability to, to traverse the really thick walls behind yes. bot lane when you're blue side around the, behind the enemy bot lane and when you're red side uh, around the top lane. Like being able to traverse that thick wall and take angles on a, a lane that no one else could take, no other champion could take, that was that was key to the champion's existence. And without that, you see a lot of games where they're just farming to like 15, 20 minutes because ganks don't really exist anymore. It's all about team plays. It's all about dives, moving your mid lane with your jungler, having a support roam. Like that's how you you open up these games. It's not by just ganking. Yeah, but I'll just say like the reason I brought it up is I actually like I say to me it was incredibly defining of the way league was played at that time. Like, is what's funny is at the time I think I wasn't that big a fan because like as you alluded to, by the way, it was picked in like almost every fucking draft. This is all the things mm. you could draft all the time. So at the time I think I got bored of it, but then I just realised that when it been like years where I had been in, like actually that was like a really interesting tactical champion in the game. Like you could definitely see the players who knew what they were doing on it, and it could obviously be a massive game changer. Right? If we switch over the team, I want to talk about now. We've we've briefly touched on it's got to be mad lions because here's the problem dom we praised them these last few weeks for all the like improvement the niski move was obviously a slam dunk and they've integrated him flawlessly and it's made everyone look good in the team etc 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 but here's the thing i want to talk about right because here's the problem it because all the teams have done these massive roster moves between last year and this year and so many squads are different right there's not that many through lines like for example you know famously rogue every year actually changes identity as a team like they were like the scaling team then they were the early game team with no fucking mid game and all that shit right and now they're just like whatever i'd say like in between or something mad lions now dude you know last year with the humanoid lineup everyone was like oh my god it, like they were it, mad lions had the like g2 2019 status or moscow five it's like it doesn't matter if they're Behind. They can always fight back in the game. They're always going to come back. In fact, their whole like identity with armor and human was almost like we're just chilling and then we wait for you to make a mistake and we're going to be on your ass, right? Dude, they're the opposite now. Now they're always looking fucking slick early. They've become like the fucking rogue time team, dude. They like look great early, but then you just keep going, ah, fuck, it's going to happen, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know when someone hit a button at random, but when randomly this roulette wheel stops, they are going to give a possible throw. Keyword possible, Dom 
You have to be able to catch the throw. Like Australians couldn't catch the throw. You have to be able to catch the throw. They're not just giving you the win, but mate, they just every game they look they look so good until the one moment they don't, and then they uh, they're the ultimate team. Like we were saying earlier, that like they, they can play great for twenty three minutes, and in minute twenty four they will give the other team a chance to win the game. Yeah, it, it's it's <laughs> tough. I mean, I think that they just. Look, it's a good way to learn. I will say that. Sure. I think it's a good way to learn to, to learn things because you know which mistakes you made. I would rather see you take the risk and, to, and have the agency and what goes on. But there's just some there, there just needs to be some restraint. There needs to be somebody in the team that's like, you know what? Do we really need to dive this tier two? Like, do we actually like? Is that going to do they anything? Really for us did, right now? They really did though for some reason, right? Yeah, they're, <laughs> I don't they, really get myself on that one, but they really did need to at all. They just they they just went crazy on that fucking top tier too. Like, please, man, just like you're so far ahead. Just like there needs to be some risk versus reward analysis that goes on once you have the lead. Yeah, they play like the game is even when they have a 10k gold lead. Where it's like no, like when you have that much of a lead, you're supposed to just exert your your fucking. You're supposed to yes. do what what they what they always say, like slap them with your wallets. You're not supposed to like take risky fights or like yes. have to outplay them in any any way. You use your gold lead and you just leverage that, like. If we end up in any type of even situations, we're just going to win because we're just way stronger. We just have way yeah, more yeah. gold than you. They need to leverage their fucking wallets. Like they, they're they're acting like they're still broke when they're 10k gold up. Like just some restraint, and I think the team will be golden because the early game actually looks the best. And oh, I agree. I really yeah. like the way that Niski constantly hovers. Like if you watch how he plays mid, he is constantly looking for angles to like dive or to like move up river or potentially like. Uh, go help his jungler in some situation. Like he is always active, and it just seems like that that um, mindset has really helped Elioya. It's unlocked Elioya to feel more confident in himself because he has someone giving him some direction in the early game. Like, yo, like I got this wave push. Can we dive top? And Elioya is like, oh shit, can we dive top? He looks at himself. We can dive top. All right, now I got something to do. That, I think that's really important for this team. This might sound like fucking blasphemy to some fans of Mad Lions, but I'm going to say it anyway. Here's the thing, actually, Don. When I watch them and I try just with the eye test to, like, aesthetically take in how Mad Lions play, right? Obviously, the la the team last year had a really cool element, which is if you ever are the team that always comes back and does cool moves in the mid-game a la G2 2019, a la Mad Lions last year, or old SKT in, like, Season 5 or something, obviously, that is the most baller team because essentially you're clutch and you can sort of come back in the game and coming back always feels more sort of like epic than just winning outright but if you ignore the fact that i agree yes obviously there is the moments where they throw in their week there are times dude where actually the niski version of mad lions looks cleaner to me than fucking the old man they actually look better at times like uh, this is like one of you one of the best moves anyone's ever done in lec mate like the, that guy has absolutely just brought the whole team back to life like they look super coherent and they yeah. just look really good Yep. Like, for example, when I from watching the split thus far, Tom, the playoff series I really want to get, and I'm so glad we've got this like double a limb component. Therefore, we might actually get it. I want to see Mad Lions play XL in a best of five. Mate. Yep, that could actually be really good League of Legends. I would actually love that. And the best part is, it's also a series where it's like it's a two real teams, and they're both good, and no nobody just starts the game bad for no reason. Like, they're both actually really good teams from minute one, coached well. Teams feel like that, that coherent squads, solid identities that'll that that will be a banger series if nothing goes wrong in the next four weeks like that's the one i want to see boys that's my box yeah. office one I, i'd be hyped i just want to see what xl uh what xl actually looks like you know in the, in the next coming weeks because they looked completely different in this last one they were so slow they just afk farmed versus really bad teams 
the entire well, game. That's, the, that's the topic. Let's pivot it then, because here's the obvious topic to ask. If you followed, if you know the classic sort of rhythms and dynamics of LEC splits, the problem that we have to ask now, basically, about XL is, are they the team, Dom, that starts the split well? You know, they obviously came from the boot camp and all that jazz. You start the split amazingly. You're the, like, the team to beat at the beginning. I'm not, not quite. There was G2 as well. But aside from that, it was XL. You started everything great, and eventually you sort of level off, and people start to figure out, and what you do doesn't work every game. Is there any of that? Is any of that I have component? No idea. I, I literally have no idea about this team. Like, because... you're a bit nervous about them going towards playoffs at this point. Yeah, I, I am. Just from the same reasons that we talked about before, you know, the, the, like, there's, who are the stars that are really going to just carry this fucking team? Sure. That's always been my, my issue with them. So, I feel like the way that they need to beat teams is by having, like, really just solid fucking fundamentals, just being a better team than other teams, like, not having better players. So when I see them start losing that team element, it's really worrisome for me because I don't think that they're going to progress that much in other areas. I feel like they need to keep that. So maybe it was just a bad week. I'm not going to, like, say they're just yeah, trash yeah, or sure. something off that. But I need to see them, like, regain steam. Like, for example, if, if XL ends the regular season, they're, they're five and four right now. If they end the regular season 10 and eight, and they just look mediocre in the back half. They beat the bad teams, lose to some of the good teams. And G2 comes in at 9-9. Nine and nine, I would take G2 every time over them. You know, like, they need to be better than the other teams significantly. They almost have to be, like, rogue. They have to come in really fucking strong if yes. I'm going to believe in them. Because there's so many, like, yes. things that will normally end up being flaws that are so visible in their gameplay. I even think that's the perfect team to actually draw the comparison to, Dom, because I also have the same vibe. It's one of the reasons why I get why people also never really got all in on Rogue. The problem with Rogue is this, right? Except for, bizarrely, at times in the reverse sweep, a player like Larson, on the one hand, he can be considered, like, best mid laner in LEC, but he's not going to, like, 1v9 hard carry the game if everyone plays shit and it goes completely in the toilet. Like, he's not going to do that. That's not who he is as a player. So, like, I think both teams have that issue. Is like they don't really generally have the one player who'll carry the game. Like, maybe if Comp gets the perfect champion and he gets through lane and he gets to the tip, maybe then he can do something. But, like, that's just because he's an AD carry player, mate. If you're top AD carry player, you're supposed to do that in team fights. So, I actually do think both teams have the same issue. Is if they're not in the top form, they get considerably less likely to win whereas that, the difference is as much as we criticised G2 earlier on if in the playoffs Jankos and Caps just wake up and are in good form you instantly have a chance to win of course you're like right back in the game whether the rest of the squad's there or not it's just the reality of making teams I'm afraid that's why Superstar this is why if you notice I don't know if I've ever had this discussion with you Dom I actually part of it's being autistic to be fair but I have a very set way that I use words when I describe people right like you'll notice if I ever say like a team is elite I don't do that for just like any old team my opinion of elite is like you're the best of the best so I never actually use the term by the way superstar for just normal players I think superstar is what it says it's like even among stars you'd be a star player you know what I mean so the difference is Larson's a star player because he's the star of Rogue and he's a star player in LEC but Caps is a superstar if you know what I mean like Caps can do things that Larson can't do and so the problem is that in every big league except like the LPL and LCK where you've got loads of them every western league you have only a handful of these players you have like what like two or three maybe three or four if you get lucky in one period in lcs or lec and if you don't have one of those players yeah you need everything to go right so the problem with excel and rogue at the moment is the perception is they don't have one of those players right now like even if you wanted to argue like what role would they have it from like 
Even if you think Trimby's amazing, he is just a support player at the end of the day. And he's more like the fucking caster support. He's like the Hillisang support, is he? So, like, I think those teams are always going to be, like, sort of on the back foot in a world where the capses of the world roam around, like, fucking the Greek gods in Troy or some shit, you know? <laughs> that's what that's yeah, I, agree. I get, you know? <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think that there's, there's, I mean, there's not that many superstars in the league. Like, I don't even know who else I would consider a superstar besides for, for caps right now. Like, maybe you'd say, like, Hillisong, but he's been looking so bad for, like, the last, yeah, yeah. I mean, since since they started falling off in playoffs, he's generally looked bad, like just not himself. And so he's somebody who I'm waiting to see, like, where's the comeback going to be? Like, surely at some point, Hillisong will just start shitting on people bot lane, killing them level one. He'll just have his normal Hillisong game. Surely that'll happen at some point. And you know what? He played a whole like bad regular season in 2020 summer. And then he just had an insane like playoffs and went to Worlds. Sure. And he was one of the best yes. support players at all of Worlds. Yep. So I'm never going to write this guy off. It's just for me, I need to see that like come back at some point. So right now, there might only be one real superstar yeah, within yeah. LEC, and that would be Caps. I would agree. Yeah. I even think as well, if we want to talk a bit about Fnatic, that's, that conversation tails perfectly into this, Dom. Because I tell you who was obviously supposed to be a player like that was Humanoid. He was supposed to be the next guy who had exactly that status where it doesn't even matter how he's played. If he just turns up, he wins the game for you. And I have to say, the more I talk to people from Fnatic, hear interviews, talk to experts, everyone, it seems like, is on the same page on this one, Dom, which is in this team, like, here's the flaw. I know it'll sound counterintuitive to fans, but I actually think one of Humanoid's issues is that he's got teammates that are too good and they're used to being the like agent. They are, they're used to having agency in other teams they they've been in so like some of the players in his teams like like upset was the man in most of the teams he played on Hillisang the whole thing about Hillisang is you don't chain him up you just let him do what he does and you figure out after that Razork used to I think in my opinion I know this is pure speculation because unfortunately I haven't talked to him about this but if I look at the misfits Razork was on with all those rookies and then he did generally just play off solo lanes because why the fuck wouldn't you with those players like that's not the same team you're even playing with so I actually think uh, in the humanoid thing I'd love to hear like the real comms not like the edited ones with all the funny shit like I'd love to actually hear like how they set up for like a or how they set up for a team fight because sometimes Dom I, I, I kind of go between the two I either feel like there's no com like when I look at some of those like Hillisang in some of those look like there's no com there whatsoever you just did it and it happened and then everyone has to deal mm -hmm. with it or in team fights I could also believe sometimes it's like everyone's talking because like th I, th that is what if people don't know that like whole too many cooks in the kitchen phenomenon that in league especially that can be real in my opinion sometimes it is better to have like the one or two people who just have the idea and we follow generally you know yeah I mean I, to me when I watch Humanoid play, this is going to sound pretty harsh, but I think that Humanoid just thinks that Razor is shit. Like, when I watch the way that Trust he reacts... Him, I'll tell you that, for sure, yeah. He, yeah, exactly. That, that's what I mean. Maybe it's not that he thinks he's shit, but he definitely doesn't think he's good enough that that he's going to blindly trust anything Razor says. You see so many just weird interactions between Razor and Humanoid. It feels like there's just a weird dynamic there. There's like some, like they need to have a heart to heart or something where they're like, all right, man, like we got to get on the same page. Like, what do you need to see out of me? What do I need to see out of you? Because when I see the way that like mid jungle is so fucking important. When you watch good teams, they at least are on the same page. Even if they in, you got to in together, but it feels like they're just doing their own thing. Like they're kind of just like, you know, like humanoids like, okay, I'll like back you up, but I'm not, I'm not going to fucking really try to make your play work. Like I I'm think that you're probably going to be inting a lot of the time when you go into fights. So, it's weird to see the dynamic between them. Like it just doesn't feel like there's there's enough trust. And I feel like that's the the weird thing for humanoid is that, you know, I think he relies on his jungler pretty heavily. Like he wants to 
fuck his lane as hard as possible. Humanoid goes into the game. He wants to destroy. So he's going to he's going to need you to be there at certain points. He needs you to come dive, dive mid lane or give him a push out or like let him get a resort. He wants to use this pressure and do something like you just got to really just be Humanoid's dog. And I feel like Razork is kind of a bad dog right now. You know, like so something wrong with that. There, there's something there's something wrong with that dog you know like he's got he's got like manger or something form at the edge of his mouth might be rabies yeah, that's like heartworms like, or something there's there's like maybe he's got rabies like there's something fucked up with that dog and humanoid knows it so he's trying not to get too close to it the other thing i'll say as well about humanoid is this this is why in some ways he does actually remind me of his teammate hillisang which is in a way, right, I know this sounds fucked up because when they're at their worst, it sounds so egregious to say, but I actually, in a way, I know it sounds mad, I sort of like that they ain't so badly because what I mean is this, every other type of player in the world eventually would go, I'm just fucking losing these games, I'm just going to do nothing if I don't know what to do. They always go for it no matter what. Like, dude, even when he's playing his absolute worst game, Humanoid does the old classic you know, you know, like he doesn't actually do it now, but you know, a few years ago, Caps used to be notorious for trying to save Flash in like the most like fucking like ridiculous yeah. scenarios where it's like, bro, just use it. But he would be, because he knew like in theory, if I just like pixel perfect, walk out the way and save this Flash, I, I have an edge, don't I? I can use it later in a fight or get a kill. Like, but he would do it too much. It was like, essentially it would be the equivalent of starting every mid lane build and always going like Dark Seal. Like you can't do that in every match. Like you're just going to blow the game. But these guys play like that. Like they just, Humanoid still does that now, dude, even when he's having a terrible game he just does the most like fucking he, he will just gamble every flash hold he can do like because he wants to like you're saying he still wants to shit on everyone he's still like he actually plays like he doesn't know that he's in bad form because he just thinks he's the best every game which in a fucked yeah. up way i sort of admire because if people don't know people who have that mindset they can ruin the game for you but i tell you what anytime they get good they are amazing if they have that mindset that is because that's the mindset where if you actually are the best you don't just beat the guy you're like fucking stood on his neck and he can't even do anything you just dominate the guy you know yeah I, I think the problem with humanoid is that he just look he's bought too much into his solo queue persona so for people that don't know his his, <laughs> his username in solo queue is jonah falcon and if you don't know who jonah falcon is he is the guinness uh world record holder for having the biggest penis of all time that's who that guy so i feel that's like his name on solo queue. yeah that's his name well, that's uh, a name big, big dick player right there yeah exactly he's what's nailed it? jonah falcon that sounds yeah. right Jonah Falcon, that's this guy. Maybe, maybe it's pronounced Falcon or something. It's spelled Falcon. So Humanoid just acts like he has the biggest dick in the world all the time. But it's like, come on, dude. Sometimes you have to just like, you have to have a little bit of class. You can't just whip sure. it out and that just like end every sure. situation. Like you got to just, you know, r relax a little bit. Like you can flash. It's not doesn't mean that you're less of a man if you flash away from a gank. Like we all get ganked. So that's part of being a mid laner. Like you get ganked. All right. Flash away. Like. You know, don't lose your team the game over holding this one summoner. Like, you don't need it that fucking bad, especially on the champions you're playing. So I'll tell you another thing about this squad that I find a bit weird is, like, the, we can't do it. Right, look, but let's be real fans. Even though always, if you look on Liquipedia or Linkpedia type thing and you look at the roster, your brain's always going to go, fuck, that is a good roster though. Fucking look how good those players are. Even though, right, we can't really do that for two whole splits. So I have to say, when you were saying earlier about how important mid-jungle is, Tom, if you just look at the top four teams, <laughs> Fnatic is the worst mid-jungle of those four. Look at them, like, there's Malrang Larson, there's fucking Niski Elioya, and there's Markoon and Nukeduck. Like, those are way better fucking combos than this one. Like, Isn't that sad, though? It Isn't is. Isn't that sad that, it like, Nukeduck, Markoon are just better than Razork? 
And by the way, I don't even think that's like that. Wouldn't it be that much debate? I think most people would take that. I think most players would probably even agree. And it's just a better synergy in it. Because that's the problem they have in this team, mate. It's not even like they never have a good games individually. Like a few weeks ago, Razork had like a mad pop-off game. Humanoid has had games that were good. It's just they almost have like anti-synergy, dude. Like as you're saying like earlier, it is like they don't trust each other. Because the difference between when you like believe in your jungler and when you think your jungler might fuck you is so enormous in this game. Like, like mm -hmm. that's one of the reasons, in my opinion, why even like self-made and people like that have trouble. They might be known as mega players, but if people feel like, nah, I don't know if I can trust you to know what to do or to come back in a the game, they'll play differently around you and, they, and everyone sort of like limits their own game a bit. You have to yeah. get that vibe in this team. Yeah, you need to have like a little bit of that bromance between like jungle and mid where it's like, even if it's looking bad, like you just got to sometimes pull the trigger and try to salvage the situation. You see that in some teams, you know, like you see that, that inherent trust you see it with caps and yankos all the time you know if yankos is is kind of ending a situation caps is going to try to save it and that's where he has some of those hero outplays and i think humanoid is good enough to do that but the problem is that some of the plays that razor goes for are just unsalvageable and humanoid knows it and it's because he does that at such a high percentage of the time there's so many unsalvageable so unsalvageable plays that it's like humanoid has way too much restraint around that and then it goes like the other way too where you can tell that if Humanoid really believed in his teammates, like he would be more disciplined with this flash because he would know that he doesn't need to absolutely destroy yes. his fucking opponent yes. to carry the game. Like he just can, he can just be a good mid later and they should win. I don't know. I feel like this team is really hard. We've seen this so much with super teams. They remind me of LNG in, uh, in, in LPL, the LNG team. For people that don't know, it's B Tarzan team. LNG went to Worlds last year. They retained the same roster, but they just added B, who was the MVP of, of uh, the split in summer of 2021. And the team just fucking sucks. Like, realistically, the team is just bad. And yeah, I mean, everyone's given up on them. The, th the reason why it's harder to give up on Fnatic is because, once again, no one looks actually that insane. So you think, like, okay, even though you're playing obviously bad, you're five and four. Like, you're five and four. You still are in control of your own destiny. You still have a playoff spot. Like, you just need to get a little bit better and you can win a title. They don't have to become insane. They oh, just no. have to get a little bit better and they can they can win a title. So. I'd even say, if you look at some of the games Wonders had this split, I think they've even potentially got more, like, they actually have even more win conditions potentially. Like the, Also, the other one, which, let's be real, is like, in my, like I don't know what the patches that are coming up by the time playoffs comes are, but all they need to do, Dom, is just get into a meta in the playoffs where the bot lane can be dominant and this team can run the fucking table. Look at the players they have. Yep. I mean, that's it. it. Yeah, exactly. So, but I will say it, where they are right now is mad precarious. But the, the team that Definitely. we've got to switch to for a second now, even though we've bemoaned them every fucking week, blah, blah. Tell you what, as much as Vitality doesn't look at all like a good team, blah, 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 they haven't gotten better. They're still fucking hanging around. They're still in there. They're still fucking somehow. They're not, mm -hmm. they should have bombed out by now, but they haven't. I don't know how they keep the, the ship stays afloat, but it does. It does stay afloat. They're in the mix, mate. Yeah, I mean, all I'm saying here is that when I was watching them, look, Haru got COVID, got COVID, and then he just wasn't in the in the room anymore. And suddenly their junglers ganking all over the place in one v nineing. So, hey, like I don't know. I was tracking Bo solo queue. He got okay. out of queue okay. during that vitality game. So yeah. I don't know what the fuck happened. I know that Bo can't play because no tourist visa, but you know, I'm not not a conspiracy theorist or anything. It? Exactly, looked a little bit different than the other games. So. Wait a minute, who's under that mask? 
it's bored. I would have got away with it if it wasn't for that pesky former dignitas jungler. This is the good part. No one actually knows what Bo looks like. That's this guy true. played like 10 games in LPL regular season spring sport yes. 2021. No one knows what he looks like. Like they'll, they'll be like, yeah, it's probably like whatever, bro. Like, like, like if, if Bo subbed in tomorrow, like, dude, if you show his picture to everyone in LEC, People would not know who he was. I guarantee. By the like, way, there was a past episode I remember where you did go into like what he did on FPX and that like crazy story, etc. But for people who mm -hmm. don't know, especially because of how boring Vitality is, like they're not even in, they're, they're not even interested. They're not a team that has an early game. They're not a team that's a late game. They have nothing basically. They have perks. That's about it. They have perks, and then maybe Kazi does okay, and they get to a team fight or something. That's about all they've got. So the fun thing for me is this, Tom. Boy, is the last storyline I have left to care about with this team. Like I at least just want to see that guy. Just literally get him throw him in the game and let me just see him pop off that's all i want just give me like some fucking jungle carry games put him on a lease in us much get give me some of these games i just want some blood baths that's all i want mate that's all yeah, I have he's he's, the, he's the last yeah he's the last bastion of hope with this team like it is just all doomed besides for him Alfari, like, I mean, he had that good gangplank game, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's obviously in theory his meta, isn't it? Like, he should, he should be fucking having a good gangplank game. It's your champion, yeah. bro. I mean, I just, it's just weird, though, because, like, you know, Vitality looks so much better with the jungler just dives. Like, when Haru was actually, like, obviously, it's a fucking joke. We know that Haru's actually the one playing it. I assume that they have some referee or something that's verifying who the fuck certainly is. check the identity before you play if you're remote. Yes, exactly. Yes, it's yeah. a fucking joke. So, Haru looks the team looks so much better when haru actually is proactive and he's diving like haru up until that game i was flaming this guy so hard because he was the ultimate like kda i just don't want to look bad jungler where he's gonna just farm the jungle do nothing and i would take a jungler like gilius who's like ruining oh, the whole gosh. game yeah, yeah over a jungler who's actually doing nothing every time and just because people have like obviously the untrained eye and they see like perks have a massive event there or like afari with a bad tp or cars are just losing lane like that's naturally going to be the things that people are drawn to but Having a jungler that doesn't do anything will harm your team more than almost any other mistake in the game because you don't, you're never able to use any of your pressure. So, like, when you have advantages, like, if you have a really good top laner or you have a really good mid laner and you develop these CS advantages and then you get the, the enemy in a spot where they're low on resources, that's when you can cap capitalize and you're just missing every single window and letting everyone scale. So, I mean, if Haru plays the way he played in that last game, perfect. Like, then Vitality will actually be a good team. If he goes back to AFK farming and just being up 10 CS on a Viego and then he's just AFK sitting in his E on the side of a fight, is that going to like change anything? Like, no, the team's still going to be fucking terrible. So, I mean, I just hope that we see him be more active. Like there's some feedback given to him where it's like, dude, we don't care if you like int or like make a bad play. Just do something, man. Like if you see a play, go for it. Like you're, you're, you're one of the highest rated solo queue players. Like, just play like it's fucking solo queue. At the end of the day, it's League of Legends. If you want to kill, go look for it. Stop trying to weigh everything because I feel like that's where people get in this decision paralysis. They're so worried. It's like, oh, but if I gank top, like, we have, like, a strong bot laner, like, champion, and we need to make sure that he's ahead. So if I gank top, are they going to get dove? And you just end up in the situation where you're so afraid of getting counter ganked on every play or you're so afraid of the response play to everything that you do that you don't actually, like, end up doing anything. There's Because there's always an answer. You can always think of an answer to, like, almost every other play unless you have full vision of the enemy juggler. The problem for me with Vitality, it's the thing that makes them uninteresting, is they don't actually have what is the primary, like, fucking hype element of a super team, which is when you put all those players together, it's supposed to be like, well, damn, I can't wait for the game when a bunch of them go off and they just dominate and, like, destroy it. That never fucking happens. What makes Vitality boring is that they never, ever look like an elite team. 
They just always, like, here's the difference. You know, the way averages work, like in theory, if you're like sixth by average, you might have times where you're second, but then times you're seventh and it just averages out to your sixth, right? If they're sixth, Dom, they're the team that is just sixth every game. That's just it. Like, they're just boring as fuck. So the problem I have with this squad is like, like, genuine, like, like I actually get, you know what? I'll give like a, an olive branch to the moron perks haters. I know why you get guys hurt on, hate on perks because in this particular team, you can't tell by looking at the scoreboard if he had a good game or not. You don't know why, if they win or if they lose if perks played well actually because he can play well in some of the fucking losses and it's irrelevant and he can play badly if they can win the game. It wouldn't fucking matter. Like this team is just a mess. They're just a mess of a squad, and I genuinely, I don't know. Like, I don't even know what they would describe as their identity. Like, like if I paused the game and I asked them, like, the classic question that you should be able to ask people in VOD review, like, what's our win conditions? Like, how do we win this game? Like, through what player, what lane, what situation? What do we have to do? I don't, I don't even know if they know, mate. And the weird thing is, if you ever talk to people and hear about them, it sounds like in scrims they're all right. Like, it sounds like, like you notice even though the other teams flame them, they don't, like, super hard flame. Like, they can't do anything. Like, people always talk about yeah. they have a well, I mean, it's to. because they have respect for the players, yeah, really. That's yeah. one of those. They just respect Perks and Alfari, so they don't want to say anything too negative about, like, those two guys, you know? Oh, there is an element, by the way, if you're a fan, which might sound counterintuitive because fans always overreact, but there are, there are probably players, I'm not joking, who do actually think if we took the nameplates off that, like, Alfari's playing bad, but they just might want to play with him next year. That's, like, a real way players have to think. Like, you might want him in your team, though. Like, for example, if in scrims he shits on you, maybe maybe you secretly think it's just this squad and he's coming to your team next split. Like, that's a real thing. People do I mean, that people for sure. Were, people were shitting on perks all of last year, and then Alfari was like, you know who I want to play with? Yes. Like that, that literally just happened to Alfari. Yeah, exactly. Like, he, True. like no one gave a fuck. Carzy came off two championships. He's like, yes, perks. Like sell me perks. Yeah. Like, everyone wanted fucking perks. So, I mean, th these players just have a reputation, but I, I think that the, like, I think that's, that some of the criticism of perks is, is valid. I don't think that he's like playing disciplined enough in like the late game situations. Like he has to actually just not make a mistake the entire game because I if guess, his jungler's yeah. not going to do anything, yeah. which has never been his style. Like he was no, always no, one of the players not. that, would play like very like he would just go for a lot of plays and sometimes it would work out sometimes it wouldn't but it would normally work out more than he did it and would that go would be, like dive aside lane yeah everything of course it's very rare that he would have these like perfect games like that's yes. just not who he is like if you want perfection in like a game like go to a fucking chovy or something like that you know he was always somebody who's more scrappy in nature and in this team he can't have bad fights because they only get like one good fight a game there's only like one fight a game where they have a chance to win it's normally some some late game fight around like 35 minutes and he just has to play that, that one better. And it's essentially he just needs to have more restraint himself and, you know, trust his teammates a little bit more and let the fight develop. I know it sounds weird to, like, trust Haru and LeBrov with the way they've been playing. I mean, Karzi and, and LeBrov are just still fucking losing every lane ever. But I think that that's the only way this team wins. Like, he has to operate like a like a really, really, really... Uh, he, has to, he has to operate like Froggen on Echo Fox, where it's like, if I make a mistake, we lose the game. Obviously, team isn't as bad as the rest of Echo Fox was compared um, to NALCS. But it's that same type of style. Like, you cannot, like, flip it. You can't flip it ever. No, you do want to know the joke, actually. Because obviously you named the exact player there. That's one of those things in history when in different teams, like, for example, if people don't know the classic examples when Froggen was on like EG and the players from CLG were like getting worse and worse and they were like getting worse in form. I mean, everyone knows the next year they went to NA and they were terrible without like Wicked and Froggen. They were just fucking shit. They were actually genuinely bad players. So that's like an example where when people criticize how mid laners play, I always say one thing as the mid laner you have to be totally cognizant of is exactly what you're talking 
talking about. It's like, look, if I have a team full of star players and people who I can trust and people who are going to make plays together, I could play all sorts of aggressive, like assassins, do dives, go for fucking crazy plays. But if I'm in a team where it's like, essentially, like, think of like teams that like Frogger and PUE tend to be on most of their team. In those teams, I have to like have, a, have something that can like win lane, farm, always consistently get to the late game. And I have to have enough to, items to team fight. Like, unless I do all those things, I can't be risking getting caught randomly at 27 minutes. The game will be over. My teammates won't fucking win. So, like, that's why this is a terrible team composition if you look back now. I know people are going to say it's just hindsight, Tom. But if you look at the squad, this is why, to me, I never really understood, like, the. that's why the one thing I'll never get about this one is the bot lane. Like, I get that, yes, Karzy won the championships and he has this weird vibe with players where they like him as personality. And then they also just always say that weird thing, like, he's really good at calling out targets in a team fight. Motherfucker, he'd never be in a team fight if it was up to him. He's a fucking ADC. He never doesn't win lane. What? Like, you know what? As an ADC, listen, I, I was mates with forgiving me. Rule one of ADC is you're supposed to win the fucking lane if you're actually good. Like, that's like the first thing you do. Unless you have a team where your like, solos are the god solos, you're still supposed to try and win a fucking lane. Like, you can't just like give it up by default and go out. But if I get to a team fight, I can say the name of the person we should kill. This sounds like <laughs> metaphorically they should kill you, you fuck. I'd go Kazi, Kazi, Kazi in the meeting and get him out the room. Like, mate, if, the joke is the guy who replaced Kazi in Mad Lions, Unforgiven. If that guy walked into Vitality tomorrow, Vitality would be a better team. I mean, I can't know from the shot calling pal, like I say, like maybe this fucking comms thing is. I think it's overhyped to me. I think that's like the, people are just looking for any angle to like make it sound like he's got some hidden depth that I don't get, you know, because I don't get the hype. I don't even hate on him now, actually. You know what? The one thing I'll say that the Vitality period is, he's not as bad as I thought, mate. Like I was a bit, I was maybe a bit too much of a hater in the past, but he's just not a good ADC, in my opinion. I think he's just average as fuck. Yeah, I mean... I don't get it. I don't get what people love about him, you know. <laughs> Aside from the fact, yeah, apparently he has a cool personality. I get all that. Yeah, that's great, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think that he just... I don't know. He he seems like he just doesn't have the ability to to really, like, carry a lane phase. He just is going to, like, kind of buy into things. And I don't know. It's just weird to watch him play because there's some plays that he goes for. It's like, damn, like, I actually don't know what you were thinking in this situation. Like, did you really think that this could ever work out? Like, is there any reason why this would ever work out? You can't even see the angle, really. So I think his laning is rough. I don't think his team fighting is great either. I just think that it's a weird mix of players because I think Karzy at his best was like almost like a playmaking AD carry. Like he was the guy that would actually like go and like do something and contribute to the rest of the team. It wasn't so much that he would, you know, get really strong and, and carry in the traditional sense of an AD carry. Like I would say that Neon is more similar to, yes. like, to what I would think of that. Like Neon is more logic. Think about this. There's a logic as to why that worked in Mad Lines. They're always coming from behind. You probably need your yep. ADC to make some crazy bold play in that scenario. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think that the team composition is really weird because normally you want one player that's like a little bit of the psychopath. So you have like, and Perks has that quality. And then you want like the rock, you know, you want like a yes. Perks with a reckless, you know, yes. you want somebody who's going to make a lot of plays. And the other guy who's just going to like, just consistently be like getting stronger and stronger where you put off. If you get enough resources into that guy, it's going to go off. Like he's going to fucking carry the entire yeah, game. Yeah. I just feel like the composition of players is, is weird um, too, because like maybe it could work with Bo because I think Bo is, is a, he's a strange player. Bo actually has really good mechanics for a jungler. Like he could carry a game from the jungle position. So if you give him like a Talia or like he or like, you know, uh, a, a Graves, a Kindred like that, those are the champions that he's going to work well on. So I feel like if Bo ever ends up coming in, then I want to see like full enabler version of perks like Jalhu Light. I want to see Galio, Lissandra, even if like TF becomes back in the meta, Talia, those types of picks. I want you to pick that 
get the 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 get the resources into boat and let your jungler carry the game. Be a fucking jungle centric team. That's a playstyle that can work. I mean, it's not like any team actually is committed to it. But jungle is fine. Like jungle is a strong enough role where you can carry to a point. And if you just have some reliable player on this team, then I feel like the team is ten times better. What you were saying there about like the because basically it's what I've described over the years is like I came to the epiphany that it's like um, it's it's like stylistic balance in the same way as in a team you got to have like personality balance you can't have like five people who all shout and aggro you know you got to like balance them out you also got to stylistically balance people out like for example the classic example of this in history was when Reckless joined fucking Elements and they had Reckless and forgive Froggen but it's like bro those are like the same player like it doesn't make sense to have two players like that like you, what you want is the contrast because here's the thing. Dom, they've tried to do this combo so many times in LEC history. Fans just don't know. It was always behind the scenes. So many times, Upset almost joined G2 when Perks was there. That's the combo that they've tried to And it was even supposed to be the Vitality Super Team last year. So if people don't know, not only have they tried to make Perks and Upset play together loads of times. Dude, I would love to see that. I think that would be a perfect combo. Because Upset is exactly the player you're talking about that you'd want to go with the player like Perks, mate. That's like... Mm -hmm. Exactly. And he would completely buy in. I'll guarantee you that. I guarantee you, mate. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, when when I think about NA, for example, I feel like you have that that dynamic between JoJo and Danny, right? Like, Danny has pop-off moments, but sure, his pop-off yeah. moments are, are in team fights. He's got really yes. good mechanics, and he doesn't actually like playing lane that aggressively. I mean, sometimes yes. Vulcan forces him into it, but he is that, like, rock, or if you funnel resources into him, he's going to play that team fight perfectly and jojo's just like the wild man like yes. he's just diving his fucking lane level four if it yeah. doesn't work he's gonna dive level five you know he might die three four times in a game in a really poor way but he's still gonna you know he's got the confidence to continue being aggressive so i just feel like th this team stylistically is is just balanced poorly yeah for sure well, speaking of being balanced poorly, we had all that great chat, all those intricate details, all those angles, and at the end, there's just almost fucking nothing for an outro, and I just say goodbye. <laughs>